All right, if you need an outline, wave your hand there and we'll have Peter bring you one. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 2. And uh, because Brother Hardy's going to be preaching next Wednesday night, I talked to him. And I said, would you like to preach Thursday night? He said, Brother, I can do whatever you need me to do. And I said, well, I think I'd rather listen to you preach than have you listen to me preach. Amen. Brother Hardy's been in the ministry many, many years. And uh, so looking forward uh, never heard Brother Hardy preach. It has not been a challenge and a blessing. We're going to try to finish the church, the letter to the church at Thyatira. And uh, why don't we just read the whole letter here one more time, the longest of all the letters. Verse 18, And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols." And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you no other burden, none other burden, but that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, last week we got through the introduction as Jesus introduced himself as the Son of God. He introduced himself as the eyes like a flame of fire and the feet like fine brass. And then he described what was going on in this church. And I want again to remind you, there was a lot going on good in the church at Thyatira. They were not just sitting around doing nothing. They were working. They were serving. They had patience. They were doing more now than they were when it began. And then we just started on Jezebel when our, our time ran out. And that's where we're going to start. And... Uh, it's interesting to read all the things in the commentaries. It says, we have had made no positive identification as to whom Jezebel actually is referring. And, uh, of course, this is what we mean when we talk about the book of Revelation speaking in, in figures, in pictures, in types. Uh, when it says this woman Jezebel, it does not necessarily have to refer to a specific person, 
But as we look at the attributes and the descriptions here, uh, we can find some things that are very up-to-date and are very much a part of church history. Number one, we see the attribute is that she calleth herself a prophetess. Now, let me ask you a question. How many self-proclaimed prophets have you heard of in your lifetime? Harold Camping. I'm a prophet. Come from God. I'm going to tell you when the rapture is. Well, he was wrong three times in 1994. He's wrong last May. And he'll be wrong again in October. Uh, I'll go on record. Uh, even if he did hit the right date by accident, I believe God would change it just to make the man look bad. Uh, no, uh, he's not going to hit it by accident. Uh, Mr. Camping couldn't do that. Uh, the simple truth of the matter is there are many prophets. Um, I've often used the, the phrase Kool-Aid drinker. My wife reminded me, you're speaking to a population that has no idea what that phrase means. How many of you know what the phrase Kool-Aid drinker refers to? Uh, Jim Jones, the Guyana tragedy, the cyanide Kool-Aid. And, uh, you know, follow, and again, he claimed to be a prophet, did he not? Uh, many, many people over the years have claimed to be prophets. They call themselves, oh, we can't forget uh, if there's a candidate for Jezebel, how about Tony Alamo? Uh, how many of you have seen those self-proclaimed papers, many of which he wrote from a prison cell? Uh, uh, not because uh, he was being persecuted for religious practices, unless you consider polygamy a religious practice. Uh, the man uh, was a tax cheat and a bunch of other things. Sung Young Moon talking about tax cheats. I mean, they just come to mind. They're everywhere. And you will turn on the radio and you will get all of these people who will call themselves prophets. How many of you attended a church before you came here where they said, we teach the Bible and nothing else? And then you found out they didn't teach anything that was in the Bible. In fact, you begin comparing the Bible and you found out what you were learning wasn't there. Uh, one of my favorite little quotes is, is every, if everything were actually in the Bible that everyone said was in the Bible, there would be no library on earth big enough to hold the book. Uh, people all the time trying to put things into the Bible. People all the time proclaiming themselves and Honestly, when we speak about religious organizations or organizations in general, we often use a feminine case to refer to that, do we not? And so, in keeping with all of these things, the woman here who was teaching was the one who was proclaiming herself the prophet or the teacher come from God. Anytime you hear someone Using that terminology, you know the spirit of Jezebel is alive and well. As we, uh, How many of you are familiar with the person in Jezebel and what she did and all of these things? It's amazing. 
uh, one of the commentators said uh, that all this spurious uh, evidence, I mean, spurious reference to Jezebel being an adulteress and a sorceress uh, just came out of the fact that they like to talk bad about Jezebel. Uh, read your Bible. Uh, Jehu called her both by those names to her son, and no objection was made uh, whatsoever. Uh, uh, if there was slander of that character, uh, wouldn't you object? Uh, if somebody talked about your mother that way, I would. Uh, I wouldn't let someone say those things because they're not true. Amen? And the entire thing here is Jezebel was as wicked a woman as there ever was. The Bible said that the most wicked king ever to reign, and by the way, Ahab was a Jewish man. He was the wickedest king, it says, whom his wife Jezebel stirred up. He sold himself to do evil. But you know why he did that? Because his wife Jezebel provoked him or moved him in that direction. And what we see here is that same attribute being taught about this person here, this woman. It says, here's what she does. She calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, we see that this eating things sacrificed unto idols and committing fornication was mentioned in connection with the doctrine of Balaam in the previous church. And it is a theme that runs through the entire scripture. When you worship false gods, there is going to be immorality involved in that. Now, what we have here, okay, remember, we have the Nicolaitans, which were embracing things God hates. He said, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. So just plug in the things that God hates. That's what the Nicolaitans were doing. They were worldlings. They were people who were just reaching out and saying, we want the world in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The... Balaamites were the tricksters. They were the sly ones. They were coming in the back door. They were putting the stumbling block. They were uh, planning and plotting to cause people to do this. Jezebel had a completely different approach. She was coming straight forward and teaching that it was absolutely acceptable for a Christian to do these things. Now, when is the last time you've heard someone say, I'm a Christian, I love God, but I don't believe in this separation from the world stuff? Well, turn on TBN, it's there every day. It's there every time somebody uh, thumps up a rock band for Jesus. They were teaching that the best Christianity can go right into the world and not be affected by it. 
Uh, I've often quoted the book. I threw the book away. Uh, it was a guy named Bob George or George Bob. I can't remember. I think it was Bob George. He was a radio, supposed to be a radio guy. And he said, listen, Jesus forgave all your sins, so don't worry about it. Just, just go through life and do the best you can. And don't ever allow your sin to bother you. Does that sound like Jezebel to you? Uh, sounds like it to me. Now, let me get mean for a second. May I do that? We just talked about someone who said, you can go out and do anything you want. Don't worry about it. God's forgiven you for it. Well, how about you can go out and do anything you want as long as you show up at confession on Friday night? Is there any difference, my friend? I'm not trying to be mean, but hey, let's look at this thing and let's think about what is going on here. We are teaching people. And and I'll tell you what, we've we've gotta be careful here in our in our own church, in our own lives. We spend so much time on forgiveness. Do we teach about God's judgment? You see, I looked up that word seduce because the the moment you mention the word seduce, everybody starts thinking dirty thoughts. That's not what the word seduce means. It implies that, but that is a modern definition to an ancient word. Uh, I copied the definition out of the Oxford English Dictionary to persuade a vassal, servant, soldier, etc. Now, let me explain. A vassal, servant, or soldier are all people under orders and under allegiance. A servant... Especially in early times, in in the Bible, the word servant and the word slave are used synonymously. It's talked about someone who has obligations. Uh, The word that uh, Oxford English Dictionary says, to desert his allegiance or service. I pledge allegiance. Okay, and when I say I pledge allegiance, I'm saying my heart, my soul, my life is aligned, allegiance, alignment, that my desires are here, that my, uh, my life and my energy is with this cause. You do not become a member of the armed forces of the United States of America without taking an oath. When you become a police officer... They swear you in as a police officer. When any public official takes office in the United States of America, especially the office of president, they swear to uphold the Constitution of the land. Now, what happens when you swear your allegiance to Jesus Christ and his church and then you change it. That's a scary thought now, isn't it? But how do we do that? Well, 
If you're going to be aligned, if your allegiance is going to be with God, it's first got to be to this book called the Bible. Can we try that again? If your allegiance is going to be to God, it's first got to be to this book called the Bible. And this book called the Bible is going to make you be uh, form an allegiance or an agreement with a local independent Bible-believing Baptist church. Amen? Boy, i got to pull them out tonight. Maybe we should get an espresso machine on the way in, just give everybody a shot. But the simple truth of the matter is, how many para-church organizations are there in the world today? I don't think a week goes by. I don't get an email, phone call, some kind of advertisement from some group that's going to help the church do the job that the church isn't doing. Well, I want to challenge you with something. The reason the church isn't doing the job it's supposed to be doing is because most of the things people call churches aren't churches. But that's a whole other sermon, and we'll get there uh, later on. Jesus is talking to his church But he's saying, listen, the allegiance has been moved through the teaching of this prophetess. And now people claim to serve God without the church. Oh, wow. Isn't that today's news line? I mean, isn't that what's been going on for the last 25 years? Is all of these organizations and we have these big evangelists... And everybody claims to be bigger than the local church. We have people looking for something bigger than the church. One of the reasons why I love and support Heartland Baptist Bible College and I want our church to to do the same is because they're still teaching allegiance to the local church. When our graduates graduate Heartland Baptist Bible College, where do they come? Back home. Do you know that's not typical of your average Bible college? In fact, I've heard presidents and pastors of colleges saying, God brought you here and you stay here until God moves you. Well, guess what? All of those workers are staying right there. And because they have all of the resources of the college and the staff and everything, there's no place to serve. And so they just sit there and do nothing. Let me tell you, that's not Bible. That's not allegiance to your local church. Amen? You see, some religions, they have to teach that the church gives you salvation so that you have some allegiance to the church. If you leave the church, you lose your relationship with God. That's not true. You can't have a proper relationship with God until God saves you first. The church is the place where your service to God should be enacted and carried out. It's where you ought to love to serve God. It's where your allegiance ought to be. And what does Jezebel do? Oh, pastor, I I come to church when I can, but... I just listened to Charles Stanley on television or radio. Hey, let me tell you, that's not a substitute. You 
need to have your allegiance. That's what Jezebel was doing. She was drawing away their allegiance. Sometimes they would come to church, but you see, the church really wasn't what was going on. It's what we do when we meet for our fill-in-the-blank. In fact, I remember a story about a man who was starting a church and working the church, and his brother was helping him out. And he called him up and he said, you know, I'm with this uh, group called Navigators and we have Bible studies on college campuses and stuff. Would you mind if I borrowed some chairs Wednesday night because I got a Bible study on campus? And he said, hey, don't you remember where you're supposed to be on Wednesday night? He said, no, you're supposed to be in church. Can't you hold your Bible study another week? Well, he left the church and found another church where he didn't have to go to church. He could do his own thing in his own way and it destroyed his kids let me tell you your allegiance is not to be to any man except the Lord Jesus Christ but if your allegiance is truly to the Lord Jesus Christ aren't you going to be aligned with his body the local church it's got to be there that's why it's important to take a stand once you're saved. Get baptized. Become a member. Serve God. This was what Jezebel was teaching. And she was teaching it right there in the church. And as I said, it's very easy to look at this thing in the feminine form if we just talk about an organization. You know, we talk... Listen, I believe in the Bible. But just packing up a bunch of Bibles and shipping them to China is not the way to evangelize. you got to start churches. You say, well, it's a communist country. Well, then you start illegal churches. Amen? Uh, it's still got to be training people to train other people. When our allegiance gets removed, and, and we could go on and on and on, Space was given, but let me tell you, to repent, look what it says here. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. By the way, the idea of eating things sacrificed to idols is all part, today we call it the ecumenical movement. It is the mainstream of what is called Christianity today. In fact, many people have tried uh, different things. Uh, one even came up with the Baptist Network a few years ago. This is a loosely affiliated group of Baptist churches of all persuasions. So we take the Southern Baptists, some of which don't even believe Jesus is the Son of God anymore, and we put them right together with the Fundamental Baptist, and we go get the old American Baptist Convention that hadn't believed the Bible in a hundred years, hardly, most of them. And anybody that will go get Hal Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, Bill Clinton, they all claim to be Baptist, and we'll all be together as Baptist. Let me tell you, I'm so narrow in my fellowship, I don't even fellowship with things called Baptists if they don't believe the book anymore. Amen? And if they don't practice what the Bible teaches, this is the idea here. And by the way, Jesus said, I gave her space to repent. But Jezebel will never repent. So why does Jesus give her space to repent? So her followers 
will stop being her followers and get saved. Amen? I mean, I've heard on Christian radio people say in different blips here and there that if you preach there's only one way to heaven, you're of the devil. Ah, Jezebel is alive and well. By the way, it was a woman that said that. Uh, No connection to the scripture, all right? I have no idea who she was. I'm not calling her a Jezebel. But that is the spirit that is being talked about here in the Bible. Now, we come here and Jesus is speaking to her directly, uh, about her to the church. He said, you're allowing this woman to teach right in the church. And I know fundamental independent Baptist churches that have brought things into their church have no business being there. If you teach people about worldliness, and by the way, if you get people who are truly saved, they're going to come out of the world naturally, and it takes an awful lot of teaching to lead them back into the world. Uh, That's what Rick Warren's plan for churches is all about. How a pastor can lead his church back into rock and roll contemporary music and all of these things. And you're going to lose some people and it says you need to run off the pillars of the assembly who are they're just going to stand in your way. That's teaching in the church. Just like Jezebel did right here. There's space given to repent and uh, you can look at this any way you want, but... Uh, Her main sins were fornication, uh, were uh, immorality. It says, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Now, most uh, most of the commentators say, Oh, yeah, he's going to make her sick and, and bed and sickness. No. He's going to give Jezebel exactly what she wants, exactly what she's teaching. Could you imagine what the ecumenical movement would be if people like me and our church weren't there to argue with them? They'd be having heyday. They'd be having big rallies. We finally achieved unity in the body of Christ. It's not the Christ of the Scripture. But they're going to keep doing what they are and God's finally going to give them over to doing these wicked things and they will be so consumed with their own wickedness and having their own way and having their own plans realized that they're going to miss the rapture. They're not going to hear the trumpet call, not because they were saved and missed it, but because they believe they are saved when they never were. Do you see the difference? That's what great tribulation, I mean, that's talking about the period, this church. This woman named Jezebel is going to be teaching in the church and her and her consorts are going to be going forward. In fact, they're going to be taking over and they're finally going to have everything that they want and wake up after the rapture. Never to realize that Jesus has already come and taken the true church out of the way, 
but to rejoice in the fact that these stick-in-the-mud hindrances to unity in the body of Christ are finally gone and we're able to exercise ourselves as true Christians would only to watch somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of the world's population die in less than seven years. It's not a play on words, my friend. How often in the Bible does it say, you want your sin, I'm going to give it to you. Read read Romans chapter 1. Read the story of Pharaoh. It said, God hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, God hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened... It's a process that goes on. And here's what was going on here. And so, her children, the children that her faith and her teaching produces, are unsafe people. Now, if you'll go on, if you'll study church history, one of the amazing things in church history is that there have been entire revival programs built upon the unsaved people who are members of the church. How many of you remember the Wesley brothers? Not personally, of course, nobody here is 250 years old. But uh, the story of the Wesley brothers was bringing revival to the Anglican church because their hearts were broken that so many people in the Anglican church were only there because it was the king's church and they were unsaved. Now, I'll tell you what, if you find a church where most of the people are unsaved, how can it be Jesus' church? If the clergy are unsaved, how can it be Jesus' church? I'd find me a church where the people already are saved because the Bible says you get saved first Then you join the church. Well, here's the spirit of Jezebel. This is how it works. And it says, I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Now, Jesus changes the... He's saying, this is what I'm going to do to Jezebel... I'm going to give her over to her evil, immoral lifestyle. And the people that are with her, they're going to uh, be consumed with that and drawn into this great tribulation and not even know that they're there because they're so busy rejoicing in their sin and their iniquity. By the way, where was Jezebel teaching? In the church at Thyatira. And it says... I'm going to cast her into great tribulation, except they repent. Here is how you escape great tribulation, is repent, get saved. Then you're not going to be there for the tribulation. Amen. And we move on here. And then Jesus said, I want all the churches to know. Once already, and again, Jesus will mention those that are of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not. He's going to give different things, uh, judgments against those people. But in the day when John wrote the book of Revelation, there were already people who called themselves Christian that were no more saved than the drunk on the corner, than the agnostic in the lecture hall. They show up to church, but they're not saved. 
They go to church, but their allegiance isn't there. They show up in body, but they have no faith and no reality. Take time to read 2 Timothy chapter 3. But look what it says here. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins, that's the mind, and the heart, the thought processes, and the hearts. And what's the next statement? He's saying, this is what I'm going to do to Jezebel and her children, and I will give unto you. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. He's saying, listen, I'm going to be walking up and down the aisles in my church. All those people are saved. We better understand something. God is going to judge Jezebel and her crowd. No holes barred. No exceptions. But he's also going to judge his people. He's going to render it to everyone according to their works. That's why it's so important to have your allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ to the Word of God, to His church, period. Not to any individual, not to any organization, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, look at verse 24. But unto you I say, these that I am going to give according to your works, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine. Now look at this next statement. And have not known the depths of Satan as they speak. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time right here. I don't think we need to. You want to know the depths of Satan. It's someone teaching you false doctrine in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not the guys in the nightclubs. It's not the guys in the dens of iniquity and the brothels of this world and the drug dealers and... If you want to know where the depths of Satan are, if you want to know where evil is most evil, it's where they promise you eternal life and ensuring eternal damnation. It's where they say, well, this Bible isn't all the truth. You need Joe Smith's book. And you need Brigham Young's interpretation. You need to understand that uh, we are the church of the Latter-day Saints. If you're going to be a true saint, you've got to be a Mormon. And by the way, just just an opinion, if a guy believes that stuff, I don't think he should be president. I'm not voting for anybody that believes that stuff. It's ridiculous. Because if they'll believe that, they'll believe anything else. And may I give you case in point? Is there a bigger nutcase alive today than Glenn Beck? Huh? If you believe that stuff, you'll believe anything. Better be careful. You better be careful. But you cannot hold the doctrine of Jezebel. You cannot know the depths of Satan and be saved. It's not possible. If you're going to be saved, you've got to be saved the Bible way. You've got to turn loose of religion and accept the Savior, Jesus. You've got to turn loose of everything that you can do and think and understand. The depths of Satan are those people 
who tell you that you can know you're going to heaven or you can have a hope of heaven by doing what they say instead of what the Bible says. It is the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And what are they doing? They're teaching. They're teaching all the time. If you listen to someone teach you, I believe it was Adolf Hitler said, if you tell the people a lie long enough, they'll believe it to be the truth. It works. There's only one guard against lying. That's the Bible. Read it. You got to know what it says. Study it. Now, look what he says here. He says, unto you that have not this doctrine and know not the depths of Satan, I will put upon you none other burden. Now, people read that and they say, yeah, yeah, this church of Thyatira, uh, uh, they had all these problems. They don't have to do anything. No other burden. Wait a minute. Go back to verse 19, please. What were they doing in verse 19? Works, charity, service, faith. Patience works, and more works now than before. Uh, That's what they were already doing in the church. Jesus said, I'm not going to give you anything else to do because there's nothing else for the church to do. You just keep doing what you're doing in spite of all these things. And look what it says. But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. You know what? Don't worry about what's going on in the world. I remember when I was in Bible college, I was watching these men subvert different students and teach them that worldly music was good music and teach them that you didn't have to have allegiance to your King James Bible and that the local church wasn't everything. There was this invisible erythrial thing out there and, and you could have your skateboard ministries and paintball ministries and dances. In fact, one of the professors actually had a church-sponsored dance where they played secular music and did secular dancing, gave a 15-minute uh, devotional and called it an evangelistic outreach. Now, I never have been to a dance and never have any intentions of ever being there, but I've never known anybody to go dance with other people who wanted to learn about Jesus. They were wanting to learn other things of which we shall not speak in church. He said, hold it fast. You don't need anything new. What are they all talking about? Well, there's a new understanding of the Scriptures. We have a new book that will give you this. No, get in the old book. Somebody said, I I believe in Facebook. That's the only kind of Facebook I approve of. But look at this last phrase here. He that overcometh and keepeth my what? Can you read that word there? Does it say words? No, there's a K in there. Works. Hey, you got to be doing what they were doing in verse 19. But how long do you do it? Unto the end. How do you know when the end is the end? Well, that big screen comes up and says the end, right? 
No, it's when your faith becomes sight. When you see the Savior with these physical eyes. That's the end. You keep just doing... He didn't say, I want you to organize a vigilante party and lynch Jezebel and throw all of her followers out of the church. Didn't say that now, did it? It said, unto you... I want you to hold fast that which you already have. And I want you to keep the works unto the end. By the way, how do you work the works of God? Galatians 2.20 In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's him working through me is the way it ought to be. And if you have Jesus doing the works and providing the energy, guess what? You're not going to putter out and quit halfway there. You're going to keep going right unto the end. In spite of the odds, in spite of the discouragement. And it says, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers even as I received of my father. You know what that's talking about? Read Psalm chapter 2. That's talking about Jesus and his rule and reign. Can you imagine what this world's going to be like when Jesus is in charge? The lion will lie down beside the lamb. The snakes will no longer have their poison. It doesn't say so in the Bible, but I kind of believe the mosquitoes will not bite. Uh, I'm looking forward to that time. And we're going to rule and reign with him. The references are in your outline. And it says, and I will give him the morning star. Can you believe a commentator said, there is absolutely no way to identify who the morning star is. How many of you know who the morning star is? It's Jesus. We're going to be one with Christ. We're going to be His bride. We're going to walk with him as he rules and reigns. He says, I'm going to give you me. Read John chapter 16. We're going to come and we're going to make our abode with him. I mean, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We're coming up quite a list here. Eat of the tree of life, not hurt with the second death. A special intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and power over the nations. What do you think all of these people are going to do when we rule the world? All these tree huggers and the people who want to... Uh, destroy mankind so that the flowers can live. They're going to be on the outs, my friend. All the communists who said we could do it, I think they're going to 
be given a vision of what the world is going to be like, and they're going to be saying, that's what we wanted to do. <laughs> uh-uh. Because once you got everything, you kept it. Jesus is only here to give. Amen. wonder what the murder rate's going to be in Jesus' kingdom. Uh, could I challenge a guess? Zero. Amen? Because he's going to stop it. I think somebody said they'd come up with a new TV show that some guy goes out and tries to stop people from doing wrong things before they do it. wonder where they got that idea. They're blaspheming Jesus. Because that's what he's going to do during his kingdom. How many of you want to be a part of that kingdom? That you get saved by believing on Jesus Christ. You serve him. Your allegiance must be to him. Peter said, I think a a sub-theme as I'm loading all your sermons up have been... Don't listen to this person and don't be influenced by that person. And you know what? That's probably a pretty astute astute definition because part of my job as a pastor is to warn you. Now, by God's grace, as long as I'm alive, Jezebel is never coming in here to teach. But turn on TBN and there she is. Turn on the Christian radio. There she is. Walk into a Christian bookstore. And on every shelf, she's staring down at you. Go to an ecumenical meeting. It's all about and by her. You see, she tells you she's teaching the truth. But if it doesn't match up with the scripture, it's Jezebel, not God. Amen? And we need to hear what the Spirit says so that we escape the judgment that is coming upon Jezebel and her children. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. And Lord, we thank you for these letters. We ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to admonish us individually, that we would remember that you're still walking up and down the aisles of our lives, looking, judging. Lord, let us not be so quick to give in and expect your forgiveness as we should be to fear thy name and resist the temptations. Lord, help us to live for you. Humble us in your sight that you may be glorified in the lives that we live in the church that we are until you come and take us out. In Jesus' name we pray.